And he set the scene. Jesus is in this town, and he is so slammed with people, he can't even eat. They won't give him a chance to stop and rest for a little bit. And Jesus' family gets worried about him. And they see the crowds, and this is what the text says. They went to take him home because they thought he was out of his mind. Jesus' own family didn't believe in him. Later on they did, but only till after the resurrection. After the resurrection, Jesus' half-brother, James, becomes leader of the church in Jerusalem. But until that point in time, they weren't quite sure what was going on. It gets worse. While Jesus is in this house, the leaders of the church come and they come against him. They come against him so hard they say, the reason you're able to cast out demons is because you are one. That's pretty harsh. And so Jesus says these things. You want to know who's in the family of God? You want to know who's in that community? It's not the people you think. It's not the people who've been there for years, who've always been there. It's not always them. It's not the leaders of the church. It's not always them either. Who's in? I'll tell you who's in. Whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and sister and mother. Tough words. Challenging words. Who's in? You don't get in by position. You don't get in by attendance. You don't get in by knowing and being able to memorize the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. Although if you memorize the Athanasian Creed, then, man, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the Athanasian Creed. That thing's a doozy, all right? But those who were in, as one person said to me a long time ago, was baptized, I'm good. Friend, maybe you're not. Whoever does the will of God, he's my brother and sister and mother, which raises this question. How do you know what God's will is? How do you know? Sometimes it's easy. In fact, let's be honest. Most of the time, it's easy to know. Sometimes it's hard. But the harder part isn't knowing God's will. It's actually doing God's will. That's the harder part. So today's sermon is, in the words of Spike Lee, do the right thing. All right? And we're talking about two parts of doing the right thing. The first part is knowing. Knowing. The second part is doing. And I think there's three parts of knowing the right thing. There's three parts to doing. Knowing the right thing is first about being in community. You gotta be in community. You gotta put yourself in the presence of, of wise Christian counsel. And the Apostle Paul does this multiple times in multiple ways. He's got one buddy named Barnabas. And Barnabas was a mentor to Paul. And Barnabas spoke into Paul's life and shaped and formed him. And then Paul did the opposite, or the exact same thing to those around him. Young men like Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Uh, Paul speaks into their life. So here's the question. 
Who's your Barnabas? Who is someone that you've given permission to speak into your life? Who is someone that you've given permission to say to you, no? Who's a Barnabas in your life? Who's a Timothy in your life or a Titus? Who's someone that you're speaking into that person's life and helping and guiding and mentoring and shaping and forming? They're all around you. Co-workers, friends, kids, nieces, nephews. Who are you speaking to life? Who's, whose life are you speaking into? Remember, uh, some years ago, we had a dilemma. I had a dilemma. And the dilemma wasn't really a, a dilemma about God's will, whether this was good or not good or evil or not. It was, it was a dilemma. And the dilemma was this. Uh, our office manager, Kelly, was stepping down. She was moving from our part-time shop here as office manager to a full-time job. The same exact day, my wife comes home from work at the coffee shop, and she says, the coffee shop is closing. I went, wow, you need a job. I need an office manager. This is perfect. But I'm like, eh, this is kind of dicey, though, too. So I went to our church council. I said, what do you think? And I'll never forget, it was Mike Toole. And Mike Toole said these great words. He said, okay. Hire her for three months, just temporarily, conditionally. And after three months, if your marriage is the same or better, <laughs> it's all good. If your marriage is worse, it's not worth it. And I remember thinking, that is really good counsel. <laughs> That was 10 years ago. She's still the office manager, so it's all working out. We're good. We're good, right? We're all good. Yeah. No. Yeah, applaud her. Don't applaud me. Applaud her. Because that's where the real work is, right? So you need good Christian counsel. Remember, years ago, someone came up to me and said, Pastor, what does it mean for me to tithe? Because I'm in sales. And my income is like this. I said, well, you just figure out the average, you know, whatever the average is, go off that. He goes, I have no idea what the average is. I mean, it's like this. I said, what? I, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have some Christian brothers or sisters who are in sales? Yeah. Ask them. See what they do. Got to be in community. The second thing is be willing to submit. Willing to submit. Let's say something that sounds really harsh. I want to say, I'm going to say, God doesn't care about your feelings. He does care about your feelings. I don't mean it like that. But there are times when people come up to me and they'll say, I feel like God is telling me to do this. I'll say, Really? That's possible. It's entirely possible. What does what does God's word say about it? You've been in community about this. Years and years ago, back in California, someone came up to me and she said, I feel that God's telling me to leave my husband. I said, well, let's talk about this. Um, is there any abuse? Verbal, physical, any dom dominate, just domineering behavior? No, no, that's not a problem. Affairs, any emotional affairs, uh, real, uh, just life affairs, any affairs? Nope, no affairs. Okay, all right. The addictions, drugs, um, uh, pornography, anything like that? Nope, nope, nope. Okay. 
So why do you feel God's telling you to leave your husband? Oh, we, we've just grown apart. And I had to say, I don't think God's telling you to leave your husband. I really don't. This, this word, it wouldn't say that. And the next week, she came to church, sat in the front row with her, with her new boyfriend. And then I never saw her. So you got to be willing to submit. you got to be willing to say, you know what, maybe there are times when my feelings aren't right. And to know that, the most important thing is to be in the Word. you got to be in the Word. You guys live busy lives, and a lot of you, you're, you're not here every Sunday. So you've got to find a way to be in the Word. You know, I, there, I have three apps on my phone. Here we go. We have an app called Bible. That's good. It gives me a daily devotion with an alarm that reminds me to do the daily devotion. Why? Because I'm not smart. I have an alarm. It's good. So I have a app called Read Scripture. Phenomenal. Super, super good. Uh, I have an app called uh, Ligonier, which is fantastic. Uh, I have an app called Cold Case Christianity. They're all great ways to go. I'm just going to be in the Word for a little bit every day on a regular basis. Have God's word speaking into your life and shaping and forming you. Do you remember that old library slogan years ago in the 70s? It was like, have you read a good book today? Do you remember that? If you're in the 70s, you're like, yeah, I remember that. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> being in the word is opposite. It's, being in the word is, has the good book read you today? How do you know to, how to do the right thing? you got to be in community. Got to be willing to submit to the community and be the word to submit to that. But that's the easy part. The hard part's this it's doing God's will. That's a lot tougher. It's tough when you know what God's will is and you know that if you follow God's will, there's going to be a loss in your life, whether it's financial or personal. On the job, those are tough. It's tough when you're not quite sure what God's word is, and you're like, I think this is it, but I'm, I'm uncertain, and I'm so uncertain, I'm not going to take a stand. So how do you do the right thing? Again, there's, I think there's three things. Doing the right thing. The first is this. There's no Jesus as your source of truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is what it means. And it's going to sound harsh, but here it is. Jesus is right and everybody else is wrong. Jesus is right and I am wrong. Jesus is right and my feelings are wrong. Jesus is right and my boss is wrong. Jesus is right, oh, and my spouse is wrong. Don't say that unless you're also willing to say, Jesus is right and I am wrong. Otherwise, don't go there. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone else is always wrong. Because oftentimes, our culture, the people around us, our boss, ourselves, our feelings, we often agree with Jesus. Jesus says, love your neighbor. You're like, got it. Jesus says, help those in need of help. You're like, good, good, agree, right? Jesus says, obey those in authority. You're like, oh, all of them? 
Jesus is right, and I am wrong. The second thing is this, is that Jesus as a source of power. Jesus gives you the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And this is no small gift. Jesus says you have every connection to God that you need in your life. And because of that, you are powerful. Because of that, every lie in your head, every small voice that says, hey, you're not, it's not really worth it, you're not really worth it, it's not that important, you're not that important, all those are lies from the evil one. Jesus speaks power into your life and gives power. And to know that, you've got to be in the Word. So let's be in the Word right here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, the Gentile. That's you, right? Matthew, Jesus says this in Matthew 22. You were wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 12. He says this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul continues that theme in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Not enough, but there's more. But wait, there's more. Second Timothy chapter 1. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, it says there, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. You, my friends, by the grace of God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, are powerful. Have what it takes. By the grace of God, you lack nothing. Following Jesus. Because God is a generous God. He gives of himself. And this is the third point, and it's the most important. That there is a source of truth, a source of power, a source of hope. If you forget everything else, remember this one point. Jesus is different from all other philosophies and all other religions. Because all other religions will require you to be faithful to it. And Jesus goes, I was going to say one step further. Jesus goes a million steps further. Because Jesus is faithful to you. He's faithful to you. In 2 Timothy, Paul records for us one of the earliest Christian creeds. He says this. Here is a trustworthy saying. 
If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we say, Jesus, I want no part of you, he will honor that request. But if we are faithless, when we stumble, I was going to say if we stumble, when we stumble, when we fail, when we falter, when we don't do the right thing, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. Because of his incredible, amazing, powerful love for you. And for those times in our lives when we know the right thing and we're just like, I'm not going to do it. And we come back and we're like, Lord God, uh, that did not work out well. <laughs> Jesus says, I got you. He is faithful. And that's an incredible thing. Stand in the grace of God. Stand in his truth and stand in his power, absolutely. But also to stand, maybe even better, to fall back and to fall down and to rest in his incredible love. It makes all the difference. Because when someone loves you like that, you want to live for